If you would turn your Bibles with me to Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. Proverbs 16, verse 18. Uh, it's already been said many times from this pulpit this morning and tonight about what a blessing Vacation Bible School was. I, we had so much fun. There was pies being thrown, slime being thrown, uh, kids saved. And the greatest thing of all is that we had people serving for the purpose of telling young people about Jesus Christ. And so if you guys uh, prayed or if you are any part in VBS whatsoever, I just want to thank you so much for serving and taking that time uh, to put an emphasis on the gospel. So as you're turning to Proverbs 16, how many, let me just ask you about this. How many of you guys like fire? Just enjoy burning things. I have always enjoyed burning things since a small child. Um, I would take string. I would take anything really that I could get my hands on and I would go to a candle in my house and I would watch that string, the flame, go up the string almost until it got to my finger and just let it go. And it was just so something special about that. And my love for fire grew and grew over the years. In fact, I still uh, have fire and I, I play with fire. I have a little bin in my back, and I, anything I can find, I will put in there, and I'll just watch it burn. It's just fun, right? Um, when I was first married with Betsy, uh, she was home away from me, and it had rained for a few days, and if you know anything about me, I like burn piles, and so it, it just so happened in Pensacola, just it rained, and if you know anything about Pensacola, it always rains. So, and, but it doesn't rain like a normal place. It, it rains sideways because it's demonic and it gets you underneath your umbrella. So you're, you know, your top is safe, but your like, legs and everything else completely soaked. So it had rained and the storm was so bad it knocked a huge branch down in my yard. And I'm thinking to myself, just more firewood, right? That's awesome. Great. So I put it on top of this pile, and now it's probably about up to my waist, and I'm super excited. Betsy's gone. There's fire. I'm going to have a good afternoon. However, I get some newspaper. I put it under this uh, fire, and I just could not for the life of me get this thing started. So I go into my shed, and I get a can of gasoline. I'm super excited about this thing. I put, this, I put gasoline on it, and then I get a match, and I drop it down, and nothing. Like, it just little sizzles, and, but it just didn't light. And so I'm like, what? What is going on with this thing? It, I, fire, right? It should just burn, and, but, but it just wasn't doing that. So I got the gasoline, and I spread it out a little bit more, and then I get some paper, and I light it. And sure enough, nothing happens. So I get up into the pile, and I'm moving things around, and I got the gasoline, and I'm pouring this just all over top of it, and I must have hit a spark or something. You know that sound that when a flame catches, it goes, whoo, I heard that sound, and I get immediately get pushed back, and my leg hair and my eyebrows and everything that is on this side of my body gets singed off, and my neighbor who is watching this whole thing in his yard is on the ground laughing at me. But, you know, that's, that's exactly what happens. You know, we, if I put gasoline on this wet wood, it consumes that fire, right? It destroys the pile in a matter of seconds. But tonight, I want us to talk about something that has destroyed countless families, ministries, relationships, lives, and that thing is pride. Look with me at Proverbs 16, verse 18. Proverbs 16, verse 18. The Bible says this, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before fall. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we are so thankful for you, 
And we thank you for you being who you are, Lord, the creator God, the sustainer of this universe. And Lord, we are thankful that we have an opportunity to just have a relationship with you and to learn about you. And Lord, I pray that you fill me with your spirit and prepare our hearts and our minds as we open up your word, Lord, and learn about ourselves and how we need to put you first in our lives. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. People all over this country are being taught, all right, that they are the gift to this world, okay? They actually, I'm not making this stuff up, they actually call themselves queens, princes, the greatest of all times. They are taught that they need to be treated by everybody else as the awesome individual that they are. And you see this every day with our children. I worked at Walmart when I was 15, and I have said this multiple times, but I've seen it, and you've probably seen it at Walmart too. You have a crying kid falling down on the ground, going limp, pounding the thing, and what does the parent do? They give them more candy as if that's going to solve it. But now this philosophy is being taught in all of our lives, and now these kids are growing up in high school and colleges demanding that they receive that recognition, uh, the pay, the status that they are deserving of, yet they have never earned it. The concept of doing less work or even no work for more money is sweeping through this country. And when we uh, have arrived in a place in our country where churches and homes, where the person, one self, is now the focus. Pride has crept in and is doing exactly what the Bible says it will do, and that is destroy. I'm here to encourage you with some good news tonight. Ready? Your marriage is not about you. Your life is not about you. This ministry is not about you. Every single aspect of our lives is not about us, and you are your own worst enemy. And tonight, we're going to look at four realities of pride. First, pride separates us from God. Pride justifies sin. Pride halts our service, and pride destroys our relationship. So if you're taking notes, I'm going to encourage you. Number one, the first reality of pride is that pride separates us from God. Turn your Bibles with me to James chapter 4, if you would. James 4 in verse 6. And if you get there, go ahead and yell amen real loud and then smile at me. That's what we do in Master Club. We make them smile, and I usually look for the best smile in the audience. So I'm going to do that, make you guys feel awkward tonight. It's going to be great. So once you get it, say amen and smile at me. Amen. All right, okay. I see some of you guys doing a good job. Those Bible drills are working out for you guys. Okay, the Bible says this, James 4, 6, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Do, do you know what it means to have God resist you? Right, to, to have God resist you. Now, many of us have dated, or we've, you know, been single. And on, until we got to the place where we are in marital bliss, there was a time when we were pursuing people or dating, okay? And, and in that time, you've probably come across some weird people, some nuts. And these people just seem to pop up. Like, all of a sudden, you're there, and they're right there with you. And they make you feel uncomfortable. They make you feel awkward. And you kind of just want to don't want to be around them. And you kind of just want them to be at arm's distance, a little bit of arm's length away from you, right? You're resisting them. Well, that's exactly what the Bible says God does with those who are proud. He resists them. He keeps them at arm's length. But why? It's because pride, our pride is a direct assault against our God. Galatians 6.3 says this, For if a man think of himself to be something when he is nothing, 
he deceiveth himself. The reality that we need to get a hold of tonight is that we are nothing without God. We're nothing without God. Colossians 1.17 says this, And he, Jesus Christ, is before all things, and by him all things consist. The biggest lie that we can tell ourselves as Christians is that God needs us. Because the reality is he doesn't. It is our God who was so magnificent that he spoke this world into existence. It was our God through the, who grabbed the stars in his hand and just tossed them out and let them land where they land. It was our God who made a way of escape for creation that disobeyed him. And the only reason that we have value at all is because God has given us value. It was him who sought us out when we were his enemies. It was him who paid a debt that he did not owe. And how bold and how foolish must we be to ever think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. But yet we live in this nation, in a nation that rejects God, that elevates man, okay, the creation over and higher than the creator. And we have churches, churches in America today that puts more value in making man's experience enjoyable than having a house and a place of worship for God. Many times, be honest with you, it's as if Christians don't even have time for God. Christians have to be convinced, okay, of the importance of going to church. We have to be told over and over again, read your Bible and to pray to have a relationship with God. Can you let that sink in for a second? God, Jesus Christ, who literally gave his life for us so we could have a relationship with him. We have to be convinced to get in the word. We have to be convinced to pray to him. Pastor has to get from the pulpit and say, hey, be in church on Sundays. What a sad reality. But wouldn't it be an awesome thing for Christians once again to have true reverence, reverence for God, that we would truly see God for who he is. He is high and he is lifted up and that we would be so enamored in who he is that we would submit ourselves and bow down in humble adoration, that we would live a life in fear and awestruck wonder of God's majesty. But yet we get so consumed with ourselves we look at ourselves and we put ourselves on this pedestal and now there's no more room for God in our lives. The first reality of sin is that sin, pride, separates us from God. And the second reality is this. Write it down if you're taking notes. Pride justifies sin. Pride justifies sin. If you would, turn with me to Proverbs 26. Proverbs 26. And we'll be looking at verse number 12. Proverbs 26, 12. We're going to be jumping quite a bit tonight in um, the scripture, so just hang with me if you would. Proverbs 26, 12. The Bible says this, Seest thou a man wise in his own conceit? There is more hope of a fool than of him. The Bible says there is more hope of a fool than a man who is wise in his own understandings. See, a fool doesn't hear instruction, nor does he take attention or accept instruction. So how much more blinded do we have to be in our own minds to be worse off than that fool? 
You know, I used this illustration on Friday night with our, our um, VBS kids, but there was a man, a king, Saul, who was told by God, hey, listen, I want you to wipe out the Malachites. I want you to completely destroy them. I want you to go in there because they have been against my people for a long time, and it's time to utterly wipe them out. And so Saul goes in, he's excited. He has a great battle, and he's supposed to wipe out the Amalekites. But what happens is Saul decides in his pride that he's going to keep a little bit of sheep here. He's going to keep the king. And when the prophet, when God confronts him about it, he has the audacity to say, well, you got to understand. Listen, you, you got to understand. It wasn't me that wanted to do it. It was the people that God gave me. They made me do it. And so he justified his sin. And because of his disobedience, because of his unrepentance, he lost his kingdom and his children were no longer able to rule under him. And yet sometimes we have the same audacity to try to justify our sin. So let me ask you, how easy is it for you to justify your sin tonight? Well, you see, I had a lie to protect that person's feelings. You know, it's okay for me to watch that filth on TV. Nobody else was around to see it. It's okay for me to gossip because, you know, that person was the one that was in the wrong. Well, it's okay for me to be drinking and because, you know, I'm not actually going to get drunk. I'm going to stop myself before that. It's okay for me to listen to worldly music because we're at home and not at church. And it's okay for me to be dishonest, you know, because it's for the greater good, right? But how far have we fallen that when we don't even get bothered by sin anymore? How clouded have we become as Christians when we are now openly justifying our sin when we justify our sin, we are essentially saying, we know better than God. You, you know, I, it's, I know what the Bible says about this, but yada, yada, yada. And you see, the reality is that we are not the standard of right and wrong. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter how you feel what the Bible says about this. It doesn't matter if you think the Bible says this or this, because we are not the standard of right or wrong. God's Word is the standard. And when we begin to question God's Word and ask, well, did God really say this when He meant this? Then we begin the same tactics that the devil used in the Garden of Eden when he tempted Eve. Wouldn't it be an amazing thing for us as Christians to stop trying to justify ourselves before God? That we would just take God at His word and live a life that is set apart. That we don't live in sin, but we become vessels to be used for His honor. That we would humble ourselves and obey the Lord. That we would desire to serve Him once again. Because ultimately, that is why we're here. We are here. We have been placed on this earth to point other people to Jesus Christ. And that is it. That's the reason we exist as Christians, to be the salt and to light and to serve our God and point others to Him. And when we are heaping sin in our lives, we are destroying the image of God to other people. So the first, second reality of pride is that pride justifies sin. And the third reality, if you're taking notes, please write this down. Pride halts service. Pride halts service. Turn with me now to Jeremiah 9, 23. Jeremiah 9, 23. The Bible says this, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. 
The Bible tells us in the book of Daniel about a man, a king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, okay? He is a mighty man. Babylon honestly was a great kingdom. It covered most of the earth at that time, and it had a great influence. But Nebuchadnezzar thinks, he walks out of his palace one day, and he looks out, and he's like, oh, man, look what I have done. This is awesome. I'm a pretty awesome king. And then the Lord spoke to him and said, you're foolish, Listen, I'm the one that put you in place. I'm the one that gave you these things to do. And so God told Nebuchadnezzar, I'm going to have you eat of the grass of the field until you realize that I am God and I'm the one that's high and lifted up. And so for seven years, Nebuchadnezzar went out to the field and grazed as a beast. But when he came to, he realized that even him, even though he is pagan, did not know God, the Jehovah God, that even he was meant to serve God. Do you realize that we as Christians are all called to service? That there are only two options, like Reuben's message last Sunday, that we're either serving two people, either the devil or God. And when we are serving ourselves, we are ultimately serving the, the, the Satan. But what we have lost in America is what it truly means to serve, to be servants to put other people first. There was a time in America, in Christianity, when we would give everything, everything for God. People would spend hours, six, seven, eight hours, just to pray in a church for services that were coming up for the next week. This was before ACs. I don't even know. I don't even know what that's like. I never existed before that time. But they did it. And then there were people who would actually give of their monies, their retirement, all the monies that they had in order to give so that the gospel could go forth. And there would be people giving of their time and hours of their own service just to present the gospel. But now we have lost that. We don't understand what it is to be true servants because we only want to serve if it benefits us. And only if we can get something out of it. And if that's how we are serving, that's not true service. Many times, we even try to serve God in our own strength. We only sometimes even do it for just self-gratification. And there are other times when we just don't serve at all. I am personally blown away at just the situation that we are with modern Christianity. We have been so comfortable as Christians that everything is about us. How we feel. Oh, I liked how that servant made me feel today. Or I liked how this happened for me today. And we come to church on Sundays, twice on Sundays, and once on Wednesdays. And we sit in those same old seats, but we never, when there is a need, we are so stuck in our routines that we're unwilling to serve. But God also said, listen, when you do serve, don't serve in your own glory. Don't serve in your own might. And you know, when we were children, we were very dependent on our parents. Why? Because we realized there was no way we were going to survive without them, right? And I think that's why Jesus put such an emphasis on childlike faith, because children realize that they have to rely on other people. And somehow along the way, we as Christians have lost that. We have to rely on God in every aspect of our life. We need to trust Him. And it's not about us. It's not about us who brings the blessing. It is about God who gives the blessing. And when we take credit for the work that is done, we are robbing God. Because ultimately, hear me now, we are just vessels 
or should be just vessels used by God. And it's just as God's word says, one plant and one water, but it is God that giveth the increase. So where are we with our service? Are we so caught off in ourselves? Are we so consumed with my routine that you are willing, not even able to even consider to serve the Lord? The third reality of pride is that pride halts service. And the fourth and last reality of pride is that pride destroys relationship. Philippians 2.3. Philippians 2.3. The Bible says this, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Marriages, friendships, churches, all across this country are being destroyed because of our own selfishness and pride. See, they might say, well, my spouse doesn't do anything around this house. They don't appreciate me. I, I work and I work and I work and I do for what? And as pride creeps into our relationships, it pollutes our minds from the truth. And we begin to think that we're the victims. We are the ones that are the ones that never do anything wrong. We are always the one that gives the most to everybody else and nobody even puts forth the effort. And when we are so consumed with ourselves, we even begin to elevate ourselves that, oh, I can only do this or I can only do that. And, it, and we, we want, I might not even say it out loud, but we even refuse kindness to people and relationships with people because we believe they might not be up to our level. And then in churches and in homes, cliques begin to form, and we have now become exclusive. And this poison of pride and selfishness is destroying our effectiveness for Christ. Because ultimately, again, it's not about us. Your marriage is not about you. Your friendships are not about you. Your church membership is not about you. Do you remember what it was like pursuing your love. Now, I, me I mention this all the time when I'm up here preaching. I remember what I was like with Betsy because it was over-the-top goofy, okay? It was just slap you in the face, this guy's crazy, but yet I got her, so it must have worked, okay, right? So I would just talk to her all the time, hawking her on the phone. I would write these little letters, and I would put this cologne on it, and, you know, do these goofy little drawings, and, you know, it, like I said, it worked. So that's whatever. So, but you, you remember what it was like, Right? You, you would talk to them for hours at a time. You, you want to learn everything about them. And then when they did wrong, you forgave them, right? Because you love them. But yet relationships are collapsing because we are now focusing on ourselves. See, what, what happened? What, what changed? It's been, the focus is what changed. When you were pursuing that person, you were so consumed with them. But now that you have them, you're only consumed with yourself. And when we do that, we, we make everything about us. But relationships, marriages, friendships were never meant to be that way. And we can see that even in the picture of Christ. Christ laid down his life for us when we were strangers to him. See, the Bible says, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Or just consider how faithful he is, that he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, no matter how many times, and we do quite a bit, mess up and sin against him. But yet, our friend, a spouse, a church member messes up, does something to hurt us, and oh man, that's it. That's the last line. Oh, they're going to have to hit the road. 
And we harbor unforgiveness and contempt towards those people. And, and, and then we try to identify their motives and say, well, they were trying to attack me. You don't, and they were trying to hurt me. Well, how in the world do we know that for sure? We don't. But yet when we feel that way, we respond that way because we have made it about us. But it was Jesus that said, turn the other cheek. Love that your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Now, does that sound like God, Jesus, wants us to be self-focused? No, of course not. And if you want marriages, if you want friendships, if you want churches that are God-honoring, then we must be always willing to lower ourselves and put others first. Just like Jesus said, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. We must be willing for, to forgive and be willing to even be used by people. And we must be willing to submit ourselves to others. See, people all over this country, we're hearing it every day, are being poisoned. They're being indoctrinated that life is about you. And is it any wonder that we're seeing what we're seeing in this nation? And this is the time when we as Christians, really, we need to step back and evaluate ourselves and say, have I been poisoned with this pride? If, am I making my life about me? Or am I being the Christian that God wants me to be, where I lay down my life, where I, I am quite literally giving myself every day and denying myself, taking him up my cross daily and following him? Because when we allow pride to sit in, it will destroy it will destroy our relationship with God. It will destroy our friendship, our service, our effectiveness for Him. And listen, it's not about us. I, I was going over in um, our Sunday school class about the great things that Central Baptist Church has done over the last 75 years, now 79 years. But those people, if you think back to them, many people don't even know their names. And the only reason that we know about them is because they're written down in a book about what they did for Christ. And may our lives be the same way. Listen, just like Pastor said this morning, the only thing that counts in our life is what we do for Christ. May we live lives that count for Christ. See, the world doesn't need another Joe Carpenter, but the world needs Jesus Christ. And if we are making our lives about ourselves, they need to get past us and see the Christ in us. So let me ask you this question. Have you let pride sit in? Are you being consumed by it? Listen, it creeps in when you least expect it, and it will destroy. My question is, will you let it destroy your family, your relationship with Christ, relationship with others, and your service for Christ? Every head bowed and every eye closed.